When was that written? Anyone know? Someone Google it. When was Nothing But The Blood Jesus written? Come on. Need to know. Seriously, when was it written? Come on, guys. A long time ago? Is that, is that a scientific measurement? That was written a long time ago. Yeah, so good morning. How is everyone? Yeah, first service people are in second service. This is cool. What if any second service people will come to the third service? We should probably just do one. Sounds good. Um, my name is Grant. I'm a pastor here at New Song Church. For those of you who do not know me, and um, I'm just a little bit of business first before we get into the message. Um, so we are uh, an official non-profit organization, and so accordingly, we have to have a membership. By law, we're required to have one that votes on things like budget, etc., um, and we have to have a constitution. Uh, so we, we do indeed have one, and it's meant to be revised and reviewed and, re- and possibly revised every five years, but apparently that's not really taken place for quite a long time. So I took it upon myself to get the document and to go through it in great detail, um, and the elders also to go through and um, propose some amendments, because we want to do a, a membership class uh, coming up as soon as possible for, for folks who, who uh, feel called to be here with us in New Song and the mission that we're on. And so... Um, I didn't want to hand uh, these lovely people a document that we, didn't, we could not affirm fully. And there are many things in here that I, I personally find it difficult to affirm, such as the whole statement of faith is uh, male uh, pronouns for everything. And I'm not talking about just things that refer to mankind, even that is a bit archaic as well. I'm talking about um, things where it says... Um, his atonement for the sins of all men, and his, 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 all the way through. So we changed it, because women apparently are also allowed to come to Jesus and, and believe, right? So, you know, and it was International Women's Day the other day, so that seems very fitting. But there also are some other, there's a bunch of typos we changed, but all of them need to be voted on. So if you approve of the changes to typos, you might be a stickly, like, I like those, having those typos in there. Um, things like that. Every member... We would like to get this into their hands. So if you're currently a member of New Song and you know that you are, the connection desk out there has a bunch of these you can take. We're also going to email every member uh, a copy. And so basically, we want to look through it, and then a month from now, we're going to basically have a vote uh, to propose these amend change, amended changes, and then they will be the new uh, version of our Constitution. So take a look at it. Any questions that you have, please uh, direct them to me. You can uh, call the office or email me. Uh, or to any of the elders, if you have a question about any of these. Um, that's that. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Dude, Robert Laurie, 1876. What should wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Travis. You just knew that, didn't you? You just try to remember his last name. So, oh, okay. Um... Remember the days when you had encyclopedias? I'm getting there. Okay, kids, you can go. I want them to hear this too. When I was a child, we had a thing called encyclopedias, and there were like 20 of them on the shelf. And if you wanted to know anything about the world, you had to go get the encyclopedia and look at it. Huh? Assuming you bought them all. There you go. Okay, let's get on with our, with our day. You know, first though, there's a really, a really heavy thing. I'm not sure if you guys knew uh, there's an Ethiopian, uh, Ethiopian airline flight that crashed with the loss of all 157 people on board. And just this morning, I was always fe- feeling kind of heavy-hearted. There was a memorial service yesterday, which was, was, was pretty heavy. And, uh, and then that this morning. And, and I think sometimes when, when something happens that is tragic, uh, it kind of brings out your own personal kind of store of grief that maybe you're just kind of like carrying. Uh, and I think I felt that way this morning. And so I'm sure many of you do too. Uh, everyone has a story. Everyone sitting here has something that's causing them to feel heavy-hearted right now. So before we go into this, I'm going to pray to the God of all comfort uh, for the families of these people who lost their lives. It's a very, you know, newsworthy thing, but also for just the little, small, uh, unseen uh, tragedies and sorrows that we, we all carry and that this neighborhood has many of also. So let's, let's go to prayer. Oh Lord, you understand what it means to 
be clothed in human flesh and experience the frailty, just the very real and present hurt of being a human being in this world. And we just recognize that every single person that we come across, every person sitting here this morning, and everyone around the world, uh, each one carries a degree of burden, anxiety, and sorrow. And Lord, one of the reasons that you came was to bring us out of darkness and into light, bring us into an understanding where we acknowledge the, the, the reality of suffering, the reality of pain, but also the greater reality of hope and peace and joy. And Lord, we just pray for those folks that have lost loved ones in that tragic plane crash. Um, we can't imagine really how shocking, how grief-stricken they must be. So Lord, we just pray you be near them. You, you say you bound up the brokenhearted and, and you comfort those who are sorrowful. And I just pray for everyone here this morning, whatever it is that we're carrying, I pray that you'd show us a little light and a little relief and that we would um, acknowledge that you bring purpose out of every situation um, and that you're with us and for us. For we pray in Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> so to begin, I would like to introduce you to someone, and let's just say his name is Bob. Uh, names have been changed to protect, protect the innocent. <clears throat> and uh, actually, I, I used a false name, and then the first service, someone came up to me afterwards and said, hey, your friend's name is, and said the real name. I was like, oh, you're like a prophet. And said, no, you said it actually a couple of times. So it's really hard to pretend someone's name is not their real name. <clears throat> so but I'm gonna try my best. Let's just call him Bob. Um, we grew up together in Dundee, Scotland, me and Bob. Uh, and Bob is a punk rocker. This is a recent picture of, of Bob, actually. Um, but we grew up and we did lots of crazy things together. Um, we saw lots of bands. We jumped off stages together into crowds of people who occasionally parted like Moses in the Red Sea, and leaving us battered and bruised and happy on the floor. But, you know, we talked a lot about hopes and dreams and plans. And he's a really, really nice guy. He lives in London now. Um, and I see from his Facebook post he's been traveling quite a lot. He's got a pretty good job. Um, he puts his mohawk down when he's at work and then, boom! the weekend, the, the crest is in full display, you know. Um, well, this next picture is a picture of a church very close to where I grew up in, in Scotland. And this church, my family became quite involved at this church before uh, I, I kind of drifted away from organized institutional kind of religion. I, I actually became a member of this church. It's the only time I've been a member of like an official denomination. It's the Church of Scotland. I went through all their membership classes and did that. Um, I'm probably still a member as far as they're concerned. I imagine I'm still on their books somewhere because they didn't update their amendments of their constitution, right? It's like, do you remember seeing that guy? It's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks at least. I haven't seen him for ages. Maybe we should call him. Um, but a, a while after, I had moved away actually myself to a different city. Um, and my mom shared with me an incident that connects these two places, these two uh, pictures. Um, that one day she was in town and she bumped into Bob, and they had a short conversation. And he knew something about her status as a Christian, because my mom was very open about her faith, like embarrassingly so at times uh, with my, my friends. Anything would be like, oh, praise the Lord, and whatever, right? Always offering to feed them, pray for them. But So they definitely knew it was clear that mother was one of these Christians, right? And, but I think he felt there was something that she should know. So he started sharing her about... Um, yeah, well, first, let me tell you this, important. Don't tell any of the good Christian folks about this, but sometimes me and Bob and our friends, when we were out in the town, uh, rather than pay money for a taxi home, we chose to walk the seven to eight miles home so we could wet our whistle a little bit longer uh, on the Friday or Saturday night, right? <laughs> Saving the taxi money, which is expensive even in those days. So we would walk home. So Neil shared with my mom that he had done that, actually, uh, in, in, in the way we did, and he'd, he'd walked home and, uh, alone uh, one night, and he'd been out most of that Saturday night, uh, pretty much the whole night, and, so, uh, and he was feeling really emotionally just struggling. He was really having a terrible time, feeling in a very dark place, as sometimes happens um, when you wet your whistle a lot, perhaps. Um, 
So the lateness of his walk home and the distance that it took to get from downtown to the suburbs where we lived was quite a long journey. And it happened to lead him past this church. Uh, right about the time that the church bells were ringing for the early morning service. And so <clears throat> he, he felt somewhat drawn to the church um, in light of the weariness in his heart. And, and you know, I think at that time and still possibly today, people think maybe a church is somewhere where I could find some help or some hope um, for his demons that he was wrestling with. So he headed towards the door. And he was met there by two suited and tied gentlemen, upstanding fine fellows, and they stopped his movement into the church, uh, looking him up and down. No doubt his clothes and the smell of his breath and general demeanor told him something about what he'd been up to uh, that night or possibly the type of lifestyle that he was living. And then the words came to his ears, something like, okay, son, why don't you go home first and get cleaned up a bit before you come in here? They may have called him laddie, I don't know. And, and he walked away. Neil walked away. I said his name. Bob walked away. I knew it. And as far as I know, he's never returned. He's never been back to a church. And it broke my mother's heart because she prayed for my friends and she cared very deeply about how they would understand a connection with God and how that might occur. And she, not long after that, after she left the church, she felt she could not stay in a place where that type of thing was, was, was happening. Um, and why would, what were the motivation of these men, do you think? Why do you think these men felt it was necessary for them to, 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 to do this? I mean, you could, you could say they thought they were being loving, actually. You know, come on, son, you're a mess. You go home, get yourself cleaned up, and then come back. You know, or being practical. You could say, and I think probably they were felt they were protecting the dignity of the church and the God that it represented, the, the, the quorum, the holiness, the uh, reverence. Uh, imagine they were probably speaking and feeling from a long history of, of cultural tradition and, and, and religious tradition. Uh, and I think they were probably reacting out of discomfort at someone so different than themselves uh, coming up to the door um, all those things probably. But their behavior was a huge barrier to what apparently was happening in my friend's life. There was somewhat of a turning towards God, somewhat of a drawing, something was happening and it was stopped by these probably well-meaning, nice people at the door of the church. So let's... Read the text today, we'll see how this fits with where we are in Acts as we continue the story, God's story, revealed through the story of these early followers of Jesus, and then what can we see for our story? Acts chapter 15 is where we'll be this morning, verses 1 to 35. I'm keeping my shoes on this time, because I'm unsure what socks I'm wearing, whether they're suitable. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church set them on their way, and as they traveled throughout Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and their elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, 
We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, after this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. That the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. And with them they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrifice to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> So what's going on here? Well, it seems that the mission to the Gentiles is continuing. Something that had started with Peter when he was having this, uh, he was feeling hungry sitting on a rooftop thinking about lunch. And God showed him this vision of, of animals, of food. And there were things that were forbidden in his, according to his tradition, to eat. And he, was, he, he responded, no, I would never eat such things. And God said, do not call unclean what I say is clean. And then knock at the door and these people coming from a Gentile house saying, come and tell us the message that you've been given. He goes and, and these Gentiles with whom he would never even associate before come to faith. Um, so what's happening? Something new is happening, something uh, remarkable. Uh, but now there's a group of people, a group of believers who are seeking to ensure that the standards to which they think uh, a person of God should uh, adhere are kept. Um, these Gentiles who are now apparently entering into relationship with God through the Messiah, Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, should be circumcised, keep the laws of Moses in order to be saved, to enter in. Um, and I'm sure just like the bouncers, the church bouncers at the door, uh, they probably thought they were being loving. And I'm sure they thought they were protecting the dignity and traditions uh, of, the, of the temple or, or the synagogue and the God that that represented. Uh, and imagine they were speaking and feeling for a long history of tradition and culture and religion. And this was coming from this place too. And I'm, I'm sure they were reacting also to the discomfort of these former separate ones coming into close proximity, family, brother, sister with them, just as these Church bouncers were reacting without discomfort to the difference of my friend. Um, but what they're really doing is they're standing in the way of men and women who are turning to God and they're hindering what God is doing in his life, in their lives. Unless you're circumcised, you cannot be saved. It represented a lot more than just circumcision. It represented a whole catalog of law keeping or, or of appearance of every aspect of life, in fact, um, and they're saying, unless you live up to this, 
just from the start, go home, get yourself cleaned up, come back when you're ready to engage in a proper manner with this church. Um, you can put anything in there. Unless you are blank, you cannot be saved. What could that be? And partly this is wrong. Unless you are nothing, you cannot be saved. Nothing. There's no extra requirement. What does it say about being saved in Acts? Well, there's quite a few things up to this point where the apostles have shared what it means to be saved. First one I'm gonna share, Acts chapter four, verse 12. says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And what's the name, Sunday school class? Yeah, right? If in doubt in Sunday school, just say the J word and you're more than likely gonna be correct. So it's, it's salvation is in a person. Uh, the name of whom is Jesus. Secondly, Peter preached to the people at Pentecost and said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what do you say? Save me. I'm here. And he's in there saved. So a name, a name called on. There's a message. This is the message uh, in Acts 11. Uh, Peter's sharing about what happened with Cornelius, this Gentile person he sent to. And the angel had said to the Gentile, he, Peter, will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. A message about the name, about the person, Jesus. What was the message? The message that Peter brought to them was this. He said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who reveres him and does what is right. He, Jesus, commanded us, his disciples, to testify. He is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and dead. He, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? You talk about the church. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what is required for someone to come to the process of being saved? What, if, if you can't fit into that blank, what, what is it? What is happening here? What do they say? Verse 11 in response to these people who are coming saying, this must take place in order for these people to be part of this story, they say, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. We believe that it is simply, purely through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. This is God's doing. It's amazing. He, there's then this whole catalog of things that God does. God made a choice. God accepted them. God knows the heart. God did not discriminate. God purified and is purifying their hearts. God intervened. And in the scripture that they point to, James points to in the Old Testament, it says of God says, I will return, I will rebuild, I will restore, that the rest of humankind might seek the Lord. The Lord who does these things. He does these things. So we have nothing to do, right? <laughs> Easy, yeah? Well, what is our responsibility? What is our responsibility in light of that? The first one is that we have to trust deeply in the work that only God can do. Trust deeply in a living, speaking, healing, transforming God who doesn't ask our permission to do it, <laughs> and doesn't necessarily even need our help to do it. So, back to these verses, and God made a choice. Do you know his choice outweighs us? God's choices are always based entirely on his righteousness. Always. You know what my choices are usually based on? My comfort. I'm being honest. My comfort zone. And I can justify anything. But if I'm honest, my choices are not based on righteousness. But how dare I, who claim 
Christ as Lord question his choice as to who can and cannot enter in. It says, God accepted them, so I dare not reject them. God accepted them. I dare not reject them. God knows the heart. And that's, that phrase has got a really bad reputation. It's always seen as it's a negative thing when someone says, God knows my heart. You know? Like it's an excuse. But it says it right here, God knows, God knows the heart. It's true. God does know their heart. Both the good and the bad and every little place where that crosses or meets, every part of it. Do you recognize that you are unable really even to judge the condition of your own heart? Do you, you realize that? I am so incapable of really understanding my heart, except as God is revealing it to me, only a little bit at a time, because it's really painful. He shows you it all at once, right? But he does that. He knows the heart. So I should be cautious about judging somebody else's heart. God knows the heart. And I barely even know my own sometimes. God does not, did not discriminate. Therefore, we should not discriminate. God purified their hearts. So here's the thing. God purified and is purifying their hearts. Therefore, we need to set aside any kind of legalistic process of human improvement for others. And I realize the irony here that I'm telling you things to do. <laughs> right? I'm telling you don't tell people the things to do. But I'm the pastor. I get that, right? <laughs> Come on, man. But here's the thing. I'm talking to people who should know better sometimes, and, and I'm the first one. Like, what this reveals to me is quite shocking to me. If I really, really deeply think about it, the level of how easy it is for me to step between a person and God for various reasons. What then is our responsibility? Well, this requires wisdom. We have to be wise, seek to be wise with prayer and self-examination in how we relate to all people in light of the, what has just been shown to us. In verse 19, the apostles determine we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. There's a responsibility. Don't make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So what does that mean? Make it easy for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Make it easy. What does it mean turning to God? I tell you, there's a powerful little statement there. Like that, there's eternity in that. There's life in that. There's a radical like rebirth of broken things to be healed things. But it's also extremely difficult to see. Like in Washington State, all the little bulbs start coming up. And sometimes they're buried under so much snow, you don't see it. You know when spring starts creeping in? There's maybe a slight hint of a, a smell in the air of, of life after a winter. And it's kind of like that. Spiritual Birth is, is, is difficult, it's painful. People, you know, sometimes we on, this, on the inside just don't remember what it maybe is like to be not understanding that. It's like a wrestling, it's difficult, and it's not easy to spot. Um, so we should not make it difficult for those who are turning to God, because it's difficult enough already. It's difficult, genuinely. And we're told that this Christian thing is dying to ourselves. It's like dying. It's not pleasant, fun, easy. It's difficult. And it needs care, compassion. So the next thing, what should we do? What they did. Verse 32, strengthen and encourage the believers. Strengthen and encourage. How do you do that? How do you strengthen and encourage? Well, you speak positively about the positive thing, the hope that we have, the life that we're offered. And I think sometimes, rightly or wrongly, the church is known for not doing that. It's for speaking about what we're against. We're harsh, angry, bitter atmosphere. It's not very encouraging sometimes. 
is it? Strengthen and encourage the believers. And I always say like, talk to God more about the sinners you know than you talk to them about, what's, about them. Talk to God about them. Because he's, he's in command of this whole process. You join with him by saying, I'm gonna lift up this person every single day. I'm gonna pray for them. So uh, second thing, it said that strengthen and encourage the believers, spending some time there. This is so important. Spending time there. Deep relationships with people, genuine relationships with people over time. That's something we can do, right? To build yeah, relationships. Okay. Should I try and say something funny? You know, it seems really serious. This is so important, though. This is so important. I just think about my friend, Bob. There are so many Bobs. Remember I talked last week about going to the synagogue and I felt so awkward, uncomfortable, out of place? You know? People don't trust us. I'm reading this book right now about postmodern faith journeys. And the first thing was, the first step to someone coming to Jesus, these authors believe, is they learn to trust a Christian. Learn to trust a Christian. And he talks about this thing, which I've encountered so many times. I've read the book before, and so as I was reading through it, I had these exclamation points everywhere at this bit. And it said, because he, he's a campus pastor, the writer, he said, I'll be talking to someone, a great conversation. For example, I was in an airplane with this guy talking a bit about politics and all these things. And then he said, oh, what do you do for a living? I said, oh, there's that question. And he said, well, I'm a pastor, actually. Instantly, the conversation freezes, changes, and the guy's back in the newspaper, didn't say another word for the rest of the flight, right? Like, that's the first response. Um, and then we feel offended. Hey, I'm not like, you know, whatever. Oh, there we go. It's not Sunday without the snap, crackle, and pop <laughs> for breakfast. Um, don't make it difficult for them. Strengthen and encourage, spend time. The next thing is slow down and think and reflect before you speak. Slow down, think, reflect. I think so many times we come at every theological question, every Facebook post, everything from a very like knee-jerk, unconsi unconsidered perspective. And that's not what these people did. This was kind of a, an issue going on here. And they stopped. It says the apostles and elders met to consider this question. There was much discussion. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles. And the words of the prophets, James said, are in agreement with this as it is written. First one, the apostles and elders met to consider this question. There was much discussion, serious reflection, discussion. I imagine a lot of prayer. They took this seriously. Something's happening. Let's stop Let's pray. Let's actually try and get our hearts in alignment with what God is doing because he is radical. God is radical. He's not safe. He does crazy things. He's a crazy God. Or he's, he's, he's not safe. He's not boring. He's not predictable. If we're in check, keeping up with the spirit, there's gonna be times when we're just like, what do we make of this? So what do they do? They stop. They slow down, discuss, pray. Um, serious reflection. The elders, I'm forcing the poor elders right now to go through a book called How to Think Theologically. And some are kind of into it and some of them it's just not their thing. But I'm like, if we're gonna lead well in this culture, we have got to learn how to reflect deeply, think theologically, explore the issues and take some of the emotion out of the whole thing and, and, and stop being so much heat and so little light because it's so important. We're talking about salvation here. We're talking about the eternal destiny. And not just then, this world, we say we want to make it better, we want to see things change. And the, the pressure's on us, folks, to think deeply about this stuff. Second thing, the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Grant rambling on. No. <laughs> as he listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles. That's amazing. We have to be open and excited when we hear and looking for news about what is happening in the world. What is God doing among what people group, among who, where, when, how? And we want to find out about it. Be silent, listen. <gasps> wow, that's kind of unexpected. There's a, that's, God's doing that thing with those people there. Like, I thought they were like, kind of like unreachable. 
I talked about St. Patrick before. He did that. Pretty much the Roman church at that point had given up on Ireland completely. They're like, these pagans are barbarians. They are belief the gospel. There's no point. But God persistently called Patrick to go even into danger, and he did. And I tell you, the fact that there was Christianity in Ireland, some people say is what saved civilization from the dark ages. It's crazy. Because he said, no, there's no one out with the salvation of God. Um, and then I wonder if the Roman, actually what happened, they got jealous of him. They started hearing about what St. Patrick was doing and they were kind of mad. They started getting obstacles in his way instead of saying, wow, God who is working here is now working there. Why, how can we help and support that, right? Because God is doing something. Then the scriptures, I mean, we go to the Bible, right? We go to the scriptures. This is an important book. James stands up and he's had a careful search through the scriptures again. And he's seen something that perhaps they missed before. He says, the words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, the Gentiles are gonna come in to the salvation. Do you realize that so much of what we think the Bible says, it does not say? I'm telling you, a lot of things that you have been taught over time or you've just come to believe is just the gospel truth about something is possibly someone's very particular interpretation that you heard one day, and because we like follow authority and listen to what they say sometimes, I mean, call me out, dude, if, if I'm wrong about scripture. You come, you call me up and say, I think you misrepresented that text. I wanna hear from you. But so often we don't do that. We'll just take it as writ- written, right? Like communion, you don't get communion. When I first had communion in church, you know what I thought you were supposed to do? And I bet you guys, many think this too. Screw your brain up really hard before you take it and think of all the sins that you've done in the past month, or you might die if you take communion without asking forgiveness for all your sins, because it says examine yourself. That's not what that text says at all. It's not talking about if you don't ask forgiveness for all your sins that you're trying to remember. It says if you don't discern the body of Christ, as in that he came in the flesh, he died for you, but also the body of Christ, like, because it's about, he was saying, we gotta correct this error. You guys are doing terrible things. Some people are eating, some people have no food, and you think this is honoring God? We gotta get back to it. So, this, so it's amazing. All this time, the Gentiles have been considered to be scum, dirt, filth, and now they find in their own Bible something to the contrary, and they've got the courage enough to say, the, Bible, the scriptures affirm this. We dare not stand in the way of what God is doing. This is heavy. It's difficult. But it's our calling to be attentive, to really seek to understand what the word really says. And once again, comfort level. I love texts that beat the uh, stick over the head of my enemies. I love those texts. I don't like the ones that beat a stick over the head of me or call out my sin. I love the Bible verses that talk about people, um, such as the ones that talk about English people being like horrible murderous invaders, (laughs) right? Love those ones. But the ones that talk about Scottish people wetting their whistles a bit too much on a Saturday night, I don't like those ones. The Bible is a sword for us first before it's a sword for anybody else. And if it's not a sword for us, it's never gonna be a sword for anyone. And it's, de- and it's definitely not gonna be a healing presence either. It's meant to be embodied in us in truth. It's what God desires, truth. Not propaganda, not easy believism, not often repeated sayings that you cannot find in the Bible. So be careful not to forget who you are. Be careful not to forget who you are. And who are you? Well, let's look at who those people were. It says just certain people. They're not identified at first. Certain people came along and they said, unless the Gentiles are circumcised and follow the laws of Moses, they cannot be saved. Well, then it's given more clarity. Verse five, some of the believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. And of course, my first thought was party of the Pharisees. That sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) I know it doesn't sound like a lot of fun at all. But here's the thing, they had separated themselves, they identified themselves by something, a name. We're the Pharisees, we are separate. We, we have figured everything out, uh, and you're either one of us or you're suspect. That's a problem. 
I love being part of a community church. That's one of the reasons these uh, amendments of the bylaws um, have been changed. Because this church has a history of being a, actually officially a part of a Baptist denomination. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with Baptists. I, 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 I love them. I, I spent a lot of time in that form of, of church organization. But the fact is, every denomination has things that they say are gospel truth, must be believed in order to be saved, some more than others. But here, we want to be a Christian church, an Orthodox Christian church, so we will hold steadfastly to the truths that are clearly revealed in Scripture, and we will allow people to have freedom and liberty in things that they can disagree about. And everyone is able to belong and, and start to work through what it is they do believe in a spirit of grace and respect. That's what we want to do. So some of the things have been changed in there to make it more clearly that way. We are a church that believes in Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen Lord who will return one day, and the gospel life that he offers to us. Um, but we're not going to insist on certain other things. Do you have to read the thing to find out what those are? Maybe, hey. <laughs> This is how I get you to do the work you need to do to vote on these things. Nothing bad. I mean, I tell you, we, I think it affirms more strongly what it is that we believe. Um, but it was the party of the Pharisees. You know, I, the most basic thing they'd forgotten was that they were human beings. That is who we are. We are human beings saved by grace. We didn't do the work in us to bring us to this high and lofty, holy position that we currently enjoy. Right? God did it all. It's all a gift. It's all a gift. You were given it. You didn't deserve it. It's all a gift. It's beautiful. So here's the thing. It's amazing. Uh, uh, the apostles say, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them. He gave it to them just as he did to us. We were given it. They've been given it. He did not discriminate between us and them for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the decks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? They're saying like, why would we have them do these things? We couldn't even do it. We can't do it. It was never meant to save us. It was meant to show us our inability to live perfectly and turn us to the Savior that then we would call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Um, no, we believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we're saved uh, just as they are. And here's the thing about some, sometimes our churches, uh, and I know you guys feel like a heavy burden of keeping some laws, I think, sometimes. Um, I, so I wonder if like my friend Bob, if he went in, if there was a, perhaps a slight tiny bit of jealousy even from these men that possibly were living a very upright moral life or at least pretending to do so and were probably quite exhausted by it to be upstanding in the community. And this like free young guy comes wandering up, you know, and they're like, who do you think you are free to do whatever you want, right? Remember the story of the prodigal son? You know the story? Kid says, hey dad, give me my money now. Goes off. Spends it, wastes it all. <laughs> Comes back, is accepted lovingly by his father, who said, my son was dead and now he's alive. Let's have a celebration. There's an older brother who is not coming into the party. He's upset. His father goes to him and says, what is wrong with you? Your, your brother is, is back, he's alive. And he said, I have slaved for you. I've done work for you. And you've never given me so much as a, 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 an animal to kill, have a feast with my friends. You know, that's just, you know, he's like, that attitude, that can be that way where we're like, I've been keeping the rules all my life. And this freedom stuff, people, you know, it's that same kind of response. I think this is happening in this passage too. Um, but we have to recognize that we cannot save ourselves by any action. We simply respond to the saving work God is doing in us and we want to live into that. And we're gonna stumble and fall many, 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 many times. And when someone comes in here, they may be struggling with such a strong addiction or such a strong broken part of their chemistry or their history or whatever it might be, uh, but God is doing a work in them. We need to be gentle with them and not expect them to be where we are. And we all have our own issues. And I also have to tell you, 
Whatever you're struggling with right now, it does not stop you from salvation. Does not. Nothing can. Nothing. All you do, you call on the name of the Lord. You say, I need you. I am done with struggling, with fighting, with trying to change myself, be a better person, love my neighbor, whatever. I need you. Implant your life in me. Forgive me for my willful ways, the way the damage I've done in this world to myself and others. And take my life. And I guarantee you, he will do that. And you don't have to go home, clean yourself up first, get some breath fresheners and whatever it might be. You just show up and then you just keep showing up and watch him work. So what's this bit in verse 20 though, okay? Because like, yeah, okay, great. They're free to come, don't you follow the rules? Then he gives them a bunch of rules. Uh, don't uh, eat food polluted by idols, refrain from sexual immorality, meat of strangled animals from blood. But what's that, going, what's that all about? Actually, shortly after this, Paul is gonna circumcise Timothy before they go on this mission trip. I was thinking like, if that was one of our requirements before we went on a mission trip, how many guys do you think we'd go? Sign up for the mission trip. Get up for the weeks, yep. Not gonna happen. Well, the answer to that, along with the commands, they say, for the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues and every, Saturday, every Sabbath. So here's the thing. Here's what it can shift over. We can get to the point where we we're, in, we're, we're offering freedom to people and they're enjoying that freedom. And it kind of can go, kind of balance across another way where people who do, who do act out of love and do care about the traditions and do have a deep sense of the integrity and the, and the reverence of the place and the God the place represents, etc., are getting like being up left, right, and center. And we're not to do that either. So for example, we all come with traditions. And it can become very easy not only to insist on others observing them, but it can also be easy to insist on their removal or their rejection. For example, you know when people pray, who here takes their hat off if they're wearing a baseball cap? Sometimes I do. Like, it's, real, it's not in the Bible, really. You can't really specify a text and say, like, argue for it. Baseball caps must be taken off when anyone prays for dinner or whatever. You shouldn't have your ta- hat on the dinner table anyway, you filthy animals. See, there's another one. Oh, my goodness. I'm not moving. Handheld? Yeah. Is it on? There we go. Whoa. Here's the thing, though. I would say, do you take a half grant? I'd say, it depends who I'm with. Because if I'm with someone that I know has a long history from a certain generation, I'll perhaps take my half. You know why I do it? Because I love them. This is about love. It's not about rules. It's not about doing the right thing. It's about love. We love people so we don't make it difficult for them to come in. It's a very easy entrance. Very few rules. Call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. I don't care what you look like. I don't care who you've slept with. I don't care who you voted for. Right now, if you feel that need in you, you're desperate for Jesus, you come, you call out to him, then he will start to change you to what he wants, not to what I want. It's hard though. It's hard to be around that process because it's messy. It's not clean. We like nice clean lines. We like to set all our new believers up in little straight lines and give them all the nice little set of clothes and start a cult. Everyone believes the same. You know what happens to cults, right? It's, It's about love, folks. It is about the love of God in us. And it's a hard love, but it's a gentle love. And God is the one actually gets to exercise the hard part of it because then it's good because it comes from his righteousness. When I exercise hard, tough love, I damage people, I think, unless I'm utterly certain I have a deep relationship with them and they trust me and they're asking me to speak into their life and I could say hard things sometimes, but not without deep self-reflection and honesty about my own brokenness. So maybe it's complicated Someone said to Jesus in Luke, the, part, the guy that wrote Acts as well, one of the disciples said, Jesus, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So even though this seems hard, um, like God, if God is working, we can be confident. So we just got to make sure that we're noticing 
we're reflecting, we're taking time, we're studying this word like it's got something to say that we have not heard at all before. Uh, we're doing that together. We're being honest about what we think, then offering someone else a chance to respond honestly to what we have honestly expressed without demonizing them or rejecting them. Um, and we have to love one another. And that love only comes from God too. I don't have enough love for all of you guys. <laughs> but God does, right? God's got enough love to love the unlovable, the unlovely, even your enemies apparently. Love your enemies? What is that all about? So we're out of time. I don't know if the worship team to come up and lead us in a song of worship. God is so good. God is so faithful. And I hope you're, I hope you're seeing him at work in your life. I hope, you're, I hope you're experiencing what it means to be saved and being saved. And it's a challenge. But we're here to try and help in that journey. Um, what can separate us from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. Let's pray. Oh Lord, uh, we are so grateful that you, t you tell us hard things. You tell us things that are not flattering. Um, I'm grateful for you doing that in my life because I know that I am prone to all sorts of self-deception, all sorts of easier ways, all sorts of refusal to step out of my comfort zone. And I know if I'm comfortable, I'm probably not in the center of your will because you always call us out to be stretched, to be grown. Um, and we're grateful that you've given us this voice, uh, this message, this name, and that it brings people into a, a new way of being human uh, and a growing understanding of what it means to be alive and live fully into that with joy, passion, and energy, and hopefulness. We thank you, Lord, uh, for your words to us this morning. And Lord, I pray that my words <laughs> uh, that come from my broken heart, my broken soul, Lord, would just fall away, but I pray that your words would stay and they would penetrate deeply into our souls, that you'd speak to your people and keep on speaking as you do so well. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Will you stand with me? I'm laying down my life. I'm giving up control. I'm never looking back. I surrender all. I'm living for your glory on the earth. There's passion in my heart. This passion in my heart, this stirring in my soul, to see the nations bow, for all the world to know, I'm living for your glory on the earth. For the sake of the world. For the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me, light a flame in my soul.